If you like to simplify your systems and practically approach your action steps with ease and intuition, then our guest this week, Alex Sanfilippo, the founder of podmatch.com, takes us through his process for starting a brand with bonus checklists for how to approach social media and an order of operations that is repeatable and simple for your projects or podcast. I really enjoy the way Alex breaks things down, and I think you're really going to enjoy these next 15 minutes. So let's get started. So Alex, I want to ask for those of us who are just starting out, what is the difference between creating a personal brand and a company brand, or is there one? Yeah, so Marcy, great question here. Because a lot of people, they, they assume they have one or the other, or that they're combined somehow. They're a little bit different. So I'll use the example of, of my own brand. So me personally, my personal brand is Alex Sanfilippo because that's who I am, right? So that is my personal brand. My company brand is Podmatch. Two different things. Now, I will say this. Your personal brand will always grow faster than a brand that is like a, a corporate or a company or anything like that because people like people. They want to do business with people. And that's why many people, you'll realize that what they do when they start a company or a podcast, they name it themselves and it seems to grow a lot faster. Now, I will say, for the most part, aside from maybe some like A-list celebrities and things like that, your personal brand will sort of cap at a level that your company brand won't. And that's why I think it's important that if you do have a business to align the two together and kind of cross-promote and things like that a little bit, not at an annoying level. But you have to always think that, okay, if I really want something that's going to grow past just me, I have to have a company brand. But I have to know that it's the long game if I'm doing that. Or if it's just something I'm doing for a hobby to help or serve people, a personal brand is great. Either way, I think you do have to have the personal side. It's just a matter of how much effort you put into it. Okay. How much do you think... So let's say you're creating a company brand or some product or whatever. How much of your your personal brand should be integrated into that? Like, should you... What if you don't want to be the face of your brand? Or what if... But you still want it to feel human and connected to your core values and, and stuff like that. Like, how does that work together? Yeah. So for me, I always challenge that, like saying that, should it be you? And there are some cases where no, it shouldn't. And if that's the case, it's finding somebody that would be like your ideal client or somebody that you know, that like, this is the person who's going to be using this. Find a Gen Z like influencer, right? Somebody who's a little bit younger that maybe fits that that product or service. I don't know why. I just imagined clothes. And I was thinking something is trendy. So that's what went sure. in my head. But let's just say that's what we're talking <laughs> about here. It's finding that person you say, hey, I'm going to hire you. I'm going to pay you on commission or give you partial ownership, whatever it is. You're going to be the face of this brand. You can totally do that if you want to, if it's not something you want to do. But I always do challenge, like, what is it? And can you engrave yourself in it? So for me personally, I decided to put myself all in with Podmatch because I'm spending many hours every single day working on this. I mean, it's my full-time gig is working on this. So I like people to see that because anyone who knows me knows Alex is working on this. If I never showed that, it'd be a little strange. I'd be very inauthentic, I feel, on what my social media might look like. And there's some people that they just show pictures of them traveling and doing all this cool stuff when you know they're grinding at like they're really grinding on a business somewhere as well. So for me, tying those two things together is important. But there are some cases where you just aren't the ideal client. It's just something that you're coming up with. So it's to find that person or that group of people that you can really align with. And I call them influencers. Doesn't mean they have millions of followers, but there's somebody that have some influence on other people and let them be the face of the brand and find a way to make that happen. Hmm. Thank you for that. And I think you do a really good job actually of integrating the two without it feeling separate, but also feeling very professional and authentic all at once. So thank you. Appreciate that. Um, that's why I want to ask you that question. Yeah. I think you're doing a, a really good job. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, okay. So for someone just starting out again, what would be the first steps? What, what should they do? 
just getting started to start wrapping their head around branding. Yeah. So the very first thing that we all need to do is we need to figure out the niche or the group of people that we are wanting to serve with our solution that we're making. So you're going to find that small group of people. You're going to find the problem they have. You're going to offer a solution for it. So that's, that's to me, always step one. So really figure out where you're going. If you don't have a direction and you're just trying to create a brand to create a brand or build something to build something, it's never going to work because that's just more noise and the world has plenty of that. So again, you want to really hone down. So you want to find the niche or group of people that you can serve and you find their problem. And the next step is to really think MVP, which stands for minimal viable product. So you want to just think, what is the bare bones of what I can do? A lot of us, we overcomplicate things, even if we're creative, right? We just kind of like, okay, I need a website. I'm going to need all these crazy things. I'm going to need like a CRM. I need all this. The truth is what you're doing, you can probably find a way to test with pre-existing tools. If it's something online that don't even cost you anything. If it's in person, can you do the process manually that you're uh, planning on building out like a brand for? So it's really to think about how can I just test this thing out? I just call it an alpha. That's what we call it. I've launched a few companies more recently that are still very new. They're not even public yet. Like we haven't talked about or anything like that, but I tested them. One of them I tested with using two Google Sheets. So I just made two Google Sheets to test out to see if there would even be a desire for it. So I built out, they were very long, but the whole thing was they'd spit out basically the result of what a automated service or software as a service would do. But I tested it doing that. It took me two hours total to design and test this to see if I actually had a real solution. So I know that's like Mm -hmm. a little bit beyond a checklist, but the big thing is just how can I quickly as possible get what I have inside of me, what I believe people need in front of them to test it before I move on. And once you pass that, then you want to start actually building things out, right? You want to actually start figuring out a actual to-do list and how you launch it as a real business or product or service. Okay. So thank you for that. Um, that's a really good starting point to understand, to, to test the product literally. And and I got a lot of advice around that when I have all my entrepreneurial ideas. Everyone's like, figure a way to test the product right. before you try to make the product. And I was like, oh, of course. <laughs> that seems like a lot of work though. But it, it's... It, so because it does kind of, depending on your idea, it could feel like a lot of work. Do you have a first step of like how to approach who to test it with? And do you, is it your immediate network or people, like how do you find your people to test? Yeah, that's a good question. For me, it all comes from a place of passion. Like what is it that you are passionate about and finding people that are in that area? You can find them as simple as like, let's imagine it's online. Use a Facebook group. If you're in person, go to a meetup group that's on that topic. Start meeting the people and just talking to them. Build a network there. The problem is if you just go to the existing network you have, if they're not the ideal fit of what you, who you say my ideal avatar or ideal client is, if they're not that person, what they tell you, the feedback they give you is not going to be very helpful. You have to find the actual people. And so for me, it starts from a place of passion. So an example, like at one point I actually thought about building out a solution for people who play soccer because I love soccer. I was around soccer players all the time. So I kept on hearing them share, oh man, I wish I knew which fields were open in Jacksonville before I drove out here. And I was like, man, what if there was some like a way that we could just build a software that tells you which fields are available? And in my head, I'm like, man, that's a lot of work to build that software. But what if I just start with a Facebook group where people would just Mm -hmm. comment which ones are open, right? That's how you test it. Would people actually even follow the Facebook group? So again, it started from a place that I'm passionate about. I wasn't like, uh, I've never played basketball, but they probably have some needs. Let me just try this over here. And let me get this Facebook group for soccer people, but let me just add all my family and friends to it, see what they say. Like they're not going to be good testers. So it's a matter, again, starting from that place of passion and seeing what you can do for those people that I think really helps out. So maybe it's building a community, like finding space where people are that you want to serve and yes. getting them to a community that you can interact with. Yes, I think that's a great way to say it, is to have some sort of community around it. That's very smart. Okay, awesome. I love that. Intuitively, I feel like that's the right move too. It just feels right. 
So, so thank you for sharing that. And, and just here's a question that I just realized comes up a lot when I'm consulting. There's a lot of confusion around what actually branding is versus marketing. For some reason, there's, there's just, it feels convoluted for a lot of people. Can, can you help us just define exactly what branding is? Yeah, so branding is different from your brand, right? Like your brand is kind of more the persona. Like like I've said before, it's what people say about you around the room. But branding itself is more so along the lines of perhaps the logo, the verbiage that you're using, the, the service that you have. Like what it actually is, is really important. And I think that good branding is very clear, very precise, has less words. So always think less words in anything that you do. But to me, that's really like what comes, what is kind of like piece of what, what branding is. And then your marketing is the material that you build around that. So how you're actually getting that to people that would be interested in it. Not the world, not the masses. I mean, I'd rather, when someone tells me I have a million person email list, I'm like, cool, are they segmented? Like, do you know who they are? Or is it just a million different random people? Then you have someone who has a thousand people that are person XYZ. They know everything about them. Like, that's a better list than the million person list because you can actually market to that list based off your branding that you've designed. They can look at it and see, oh, that, that is me. I like that. So that, that to me is a bit of the difference. And I, I hope that's the direction you're wanting to go with that. No, that's great. And and um, I think that last part sounds like you're suggesting that it, it's the engagement, like who's going to engage with you on that list. Yes. And if it's a smaller list, that's fine as long as they're engaged. So it's the relationship community building again is what I'm hearing. Is that, am I on point there? Yeah, for me, all this stuff is very organic and natural feeling. So that like to me, like everything that we've talked about sounds really like smooth, like I am passionate about this. I'm going to build a community around it. Now I'm going to find the problems these people have. I'm going to offer a solution to it. I'm going to launch it as quickly as possible. I'm going to build my branding around what they told me the problem was. And then I'm going to market to more people I think fit that, that, that mold, right? Like all mm-hmm. that to me flows very naturally. It's not like I'm going to make a product and I'm going to blast out to a million people. And then I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to build the website. And like that to me seems less structured. To me, what I'm talking about is just a natural progression of how you can actually get a brand launched and started. And to me, that sounds almost more structured. The rest sounds yeah, like a lot true. of like how to infiltrated, like this is how you're going to do it. And like, it's kind of why I like breaking things down in this sort of very like, almost like an equation or checklisty kind of way. Cause it's like, okay, I just need the first two things I need to know right. to, to begin <laughs> so that I can have a process. So yeah, and I, I, I like that you're defining it between those two approaches. Cause really one is more smooth and intuitive and like, duh, of course, like you've got to have the idea and then you've got to talk to some people and, but it can get very convoluted when we start listening to all of the influences around our faces. Yes. Speaking of that, <laughs> let's talk about social media for just a moment. How important is it? I'm going to switch to podcasters because that's, there's a lot, that's a brand when we yes. start oh, something. It is. Yeah. yeah. So how important is it to leverage on social media for a podcaster and what's the best way to do that? I feel like we're one of the groups that has the hardest time getting we are getting that figured out and you did a presentation on this recently which i really liked and i'll just say one of the things you said that was um the podcasters are what was it we're really bad at giving the value at that stage yes which is interesting can you talk us through that just a little bit yeah you know when it comes to social media and i'm going to keep this specifically to podcasters but in general i believe this applies as well we look at brands and podcasts that have been doing what they're doing for 10 years or five years or a lot longer than us is the point. And we compare our day one to their year 10, their year five. And so we look at everything they're doing there. We're like, oh, well, they have a Twitter. They have a Facebook. They have an Instagram. They have Facebook groups. They have 
all these other things built into their, their whole process. So I need that when I launch. When in reality, I can almost guarantee you probably 99% of the people you see launch with their product, service, their, their podcast, and that was it. And they launched just with that. And it's because they realize something that we're not realizing in today's world, that you've got to keep the main thing the main thing. And if the main thing is to launch a podcast, then launch a podcast and everything else can come afterwards. So with that said, I do think that social media is a very valuable tool and will help you grow your podcast, but I don't think you need to be all places all the time. What I decided to do is, and this wasn't the best strategy, I did launch everything. I built content for all of it. And very quickly, I realized, okay, this isn't beneficial because I'm only getting traffic from some places. So I created content that was the same on all platforms. I tried this for a few months and just launched it out to all of them. I used an app called Buffer, which you can schedule out social media. So I just did that. And I realized, I'm like, all my traffic's going to come from Instagram. I know it. I know it's going to. And when I realized that 90% of my traffic was coming from, from LinkedIn, so what I did is I actually shut down for a long time. I shut down my Instagram. People were like, you're crazy. You're missing out on a ton of traffic. I wasn't missing out on any traffic. What I did is I redirected that effort that I was putting into Instagram into LinkedIn, and I saw my numbers increase even more, even faster. I was doing less work. So for me, social media is very important, but we want to make sure that we're using social media properly and in the right place. So think about where your audience is. Like, where are your ideal listeners hanging out? Are they hanging out on Instagram? Are they on TikTok? Are they on LinkedIn? Like figure out where they are, find them and spend your efforts there, not to just get more followers everywhere, grow your social following in general. You want to really hone in on where it matters most. I think that that'll serve you really well. And Barcy, if you want to talk about the actual content as well, we can get into that. Yeah. I think it's important to do. So regarding the actual content that you're posting, no matter where it is, it has to begin with interest. It's got to be interesting to people. So you have to make sure what you're sharing is not just an advertisement for a new podcast episode. I've done that for far too long, but it doesn't really work. You want to find a way Guilty to post something. Guilty and it right? doesn't work. Yeah. You, you want to find a way to post something else. And I recently saw a podcast where they did is they actually just took a selfie of themselves in front of their mic and their whole setup. And it was just an in-home setup. It was nothing fancy. So it wasn't like incredible to look at, but it was that podcaster. And in the description, they talked about how they just interviewed a guest they really had a great time with. And it was a bucket list thing for them. So they wanted to document with this picture. That to me was interesting. Like I was like, man, she just told a real story about why she's podcasting. I love that. Instead of out tomorrow, new guest, check it out. Like that's more advertisement, right? So it's got to be interesting for people. So whatever platform you're using, make sure that people are interested in it. And I always just call it the three R's of content. Make sure it's real, raw, and relevant. I wrote that down in my notes. I took a lot of notes during your presentation because oh, you. Cool. You, ha- you had wonderful sound bites like that that were actionable that you can reference when you're doing things. So I appreciate that. All that said, time management, we, we wanted to touch on that real briefly about, and, and to me, I'm hearing that kind of baked into your, your answer around social media by conserving your time, by choosing where things should happen. Is there anything else you want to add to that? Yeah. When it comes to time management, when you're a podcaster, it is just so important because here's the thing. Barcy, you and I both know this, being on this side of the mic, like we're both hosts at times. It is a lot of work to produce a single podcast episode. And I'm not trying to discourage anyone from doing it, but like even if it doesn't feel like a lot of work on day one, eventually you'll be like, oh my gosh, this is so much that goes into this. So really the most important thing to do, like when you're going to create a checklist, is to start with why you're doing it, what the most important things are, and you want them in order. So, okay, the most important thing for me is getting the episode out on time, right? So I want to make sure I always have that written down as the most important thing. So that way, when I get through and I'm like feeling overwhelmed, I'm like, okay, here's the 10 social media posts I do about it. Maybe I can do five instead. Like I don't need to do 10. 
So it's really important to have something that's mm-hmm. always keeping you on track. When it comes to podcasting, I recommend having just what I call it an SOP, a standard operating procedure for every episode you're releasing. So for me, I, I literally I, I've designed a software that does this now because I think there's a need for it. And basically, every time I'm releasing a new episode, I hit new episode, and it gives me my predetermined checklist that I've come up with. And everybody needs to have that. Now, I'm sure I have a fancy software for it, but I used to just do it on a whiteboard. All I would erase was the little check mark at the start. So I'd say, record with guest, check, edit the episode, check, share on social media, check. It's really important to make sure that you are not relying on your head for this stuff. David Allen says it really well. He says, your head is for having ideas, not for storing them. So the Mm -hmm. ideas for your episode should be somewhere on paper and be in front of you. And that's going to really help you stay organized and also alleviate a lot of stress in podcasting because now you're not like, oh, what did I forget? What else am I missing? What else do I need to do? Am I hitting my deadline? When you have that written down somewhere you can see it, it's not in your head anymore. It's not causing anxiety and stress because now you know exactly where you are and what is left to be done. That's amazing. I I created spreadsheets. Spreadsheets are my thing right now and they're amazing. And I actually created one that you can copy yourself for production when figuring out your guests and what all the stages are in my podcast starter guide. There's a link for that as well. It's free. There's so many resources in there around organization. So if that's something you want starter guides for, I have that for you. So definitely click on that link. For now, thank you, Alex, that this was so great. I know we we talked a little longer than we had planned for this segment, but I, I think it was just, there's so much value you have to offer. So I appreciate you sticking around and, and giving more. Yeah. Thanks so much, Marcy. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to Be Bold Begin. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so as not to miss an episode. So the best way to ensure you get all the new episodes is by subscribing. Help us build a positive community by joining the Facebook group, also called Be Bold Begin. I'll be checking it daily to answer and acknowledge any of your questions and comments. Stay positive and safe out there.